Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with the goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. We're in the book of Joel this uh, uh, week, and we are in chapter 1. We'll be starting uh, around uh, verse 14 and finishing out the chapter down in verse 20. And as we've said, the author Joel has painted us a, a grave picture of a big, big uh, catastrophe. And it has, you know, he has said right off at the bat, you know, the word of God has come to Joel and Joel, God's telling him what to say, but he's saying, you know, to the people here, um, there's going to be this invasion of locusts and it's going to be so devastating. It's, it's like he compares it to an invading army. And this invading army has basically wiped out everything, has wiped out all the food, has wiped out the economy, has wiped out <clears throat> everything that, that uh, the, the people have to, to sustain themselves, and it has affected everyone. And it has been so bad that there is no more worshiping going on, there is no more joy in the temple, there's nothing to worship with. <clears throat> and we get this picture of what it's like um, to have complete joy taken away. And so we have to kind of look at this picture, this utter devastation, and then we have to say to ourselves, you know, within the context of, of this situation, how does that, how are our lives similar to when bad things come to do, do, do the bad things just Take away our joy. And the presence, uh, there is, you know, it says there is no more uh, joy in the temples. There's no more uh, offerings going on in the temples. Um, it is the joy and the gladness. All of that is has left. And it's like the presence of the Lord is not there. And it's a picture of perhaps sometimes when our life, experiences uh, really bad things, do we say, well, because of this really bad thing, I don't feel very happy. I feel down. I feel depressed. I feel, um, you know, I'm completely shattered, you know. But if we feel that way and we say, you know what, Uh, even though the Lord's presence is with me, I still feel down. We have to say to ourselves, are we letting the other things of this world dictate whether or not we're going to be joyful or not. 
And so this is a picture here in the Old Testament where the people didn't have the presence of the Lord and there was nothing. There was no joy on the earth. There was no joy around them. But in our life, we know we have the presence of the Lord. And if we have the presence of the Lord, there is still joy. And we can't let ourselves, our lives be dictated by circumstances that that just takes away our possessions. Because if, if our joy is dependent on the presence of possessions, then the presence of the Lord is meaningless. And so this is showing, I think, in many ways, how important the presence of the Lord is. It's everything. And we have to look at it like that. So... Verse 14, Joel says, Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Okay? He's saying this is what you have to do. You have to cry out for the Lord. You want His presence. When things are this bad, what do you do? There's no, you know, do you call everybody together and try to clean out a field and plant crops? Do you call out everybody and try to come together and, and generate a, some income or money or donations to try to go to another country and bring in food? No. He's saying the first thing you need to do is call out to the Lord. Verse 15, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and as destruction from the Almighty it comes... So this is the day of the Lord he's talking about. Now, the day of the Lord is talking about, as McGee points out, this is not just any day. This is the day when, the, when Jesus Christ comes. And when Jesus Christ comes, this is a foreshadowing that Jesus Christ is coming. But before he comes, times are going to be really bad. The, 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 the worst time that anyone's ever seen. And Joel's saying... The best thing you can do is cry out, cry out to the Lord, because the day of the Lord is here. The day of the Lord is near. And as destruction from the Almighty, this is God's destruction. This is not, <clears throat> this is not uh, anything that man has sovereignty over. This destruction is due to God. God is finally putting sin away. Verse 16, is not the food cut off before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of God? So he's saying it's a rhetorical question. You know, obviously there's no food. When there's no food, people die. Babies die, mothers die. There's no life with there's no food. There's no blessing. When crops don't grow, And there's no joy and gladness. Without the presence of the Lord, there's no joy and gladness. And what worst thing could happen to the world is there's no Lord's presence. And sin has multiplied itself in the earth to the point where there's nothing left. It's like locusts. That's what sin does in your life. Sin is like locusts in your life. It just devours whatever good crops you produce, whatever good things that you come up with. That's what sin does. It destroys it.
Verse 17, the seed shrivels under the clods. The storehouses are desolate. The granaries are torn down because the grain is dried up. How the beasts groan. The herds of cattle are perplexed because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. Everything suffers in the absence of the Lord's presence. And even the animals have instinct enough to know times are terrible. The beasts groan, and the cattle, they are unsure. They know something is wrong. Even the, the wild animals understand when the blessings of the land are not, um, are not there. What about the people? Are the people wise enough? Are me and you wise enough to know how important the Lord's presence is? Can't we look around and tell? Without the Lord's presence, nothing grows. Without the Lord's presence, the light, the water, the rain, that's all God's presence. Nothing grows without Him. There's nothing that you eat every single day that doesn't come from Him. How sometimes how we get to the point where we take all that for granted. When we say a blessing over our food, when we eat our meal, do we think about this? Do we think about every single thing comes from Him? <clears throat> Verse 19, To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you, because the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. So here we are. We've got this picture in Joel of the day of the Lord. Now the day of the Lord is a picture of the coming of Jesus Christ. And the, the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, apparently before Jesus Christ comes, there's going to be, it looks like a famine. Now, whether or not these are going to be actual locusts taking away all the food... Uh, or whether, uh, in effect, that these locusts are sort of a metaphor of uh, a physical army, you know, from the earth, destroying one another or whatever. Or is this uh, a metaphor of God's angels or, you know, coming in and, you know, in wave after wave, you know, like it was saying earlier in the in the chapter in four consecutive waves just destroying the the earth destroying the the crops destroying the food um, in consecutive waves to the point where there's just nothing left no blessing that that God has given the earth um, remains um, I don't know but uh, it looks like um, the metaphor we're, uh, or the, the picture that we have is locusts. And uh, <clears throat> so we have to understand that there will be a day, and there will be a day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord um, starts off at a point 
apparently, which is the Earth's lowest point. It's the lowest point in human history or, you know, in our future. It will be our lowest point. It will be a point where there's just nothing left. And uh, that is when the Lord comes in and will destroy or things are going to be destroyed that need to be destroyed and uh, or just or that the, the earth has so then we have a picture of no joy no gladness and for me it's a picture of the absence of the presence of the Lord it is the fact that sin is to the point where it's time for the Lord Jesus to come and, and claim his kingdom and reestablish his kingdom. Now, he first came in humility. Now he will be coming in power. He will be coming with authority and sovereignty. Um, so, this is a picture of the day of the Lord. It is God is completely sovereign. God is completely under control. And it is a dramatic uh, picture in contrast to the day of man, you know, that we're living in right now. We're sort of living in the, the times of man where... We are in control. And McGee points out it started off like with the time, you know, during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. So he takes over the times of man and it will be, you know, his kingdoms and, you know, with Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and consecutive kingdoms, these will be the times of man. until God reestablishes his kingdom. So here we are, and it is probably the only picture that we get during all this that there's instruction. In the darkness of this devastation, Joel tells people to gather Gather together your leadership and the people, the elders, and cry out to the Lord. Cry out for His presence because there's nothing else. That's the fundamental thing that you have to do. Cry out for His presence. As we said when we were reading the book of James, whenever trials and tribulations come, they're designed to, to give you perseverance and steadfastness so that you may be complete. Well, this, you know, trials and tribulations, this is actually been referred to as the great tribulation. The great trial, if you wish. The great tribulation and the great trial is coming for the whole earth in this regard. And so... What does James tell us? Whenever trials and tribulations come of various kinds, 
Well, this is one of those. This is the extreme trial and tribulation. What do you do? You ask, you pray, you ask for wisdom on what to do. And you ask for wisdom to your Father who gives it generously without any reproach or judgment on you. He gives you wisdom on handling the trial, the tribulation. And so it's very consistent with what we just studied in James is what Joel is saying in the Old Testament. What do you do in the middle of all this? You pray. You get your folks together and you cry out to the Lord. You're praying. And that's what James tells us to do even in the New Testament. It's very consistent. You got to pray your way through every trial. Pray your way through every tribulation, every test. That's what you have to do. So we'll stop here and we'll continue our study through Joel. Chapter 2 will start tomorrow and it'll be really interesting to see uh, more into this uh, devastating picture that we get and also more into this picture of the coming of Jesus Christ and what that will, will look like. So for me to all of you, God bless you. We'll see you next time right here tomorrow. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing well. Take it away, Matali. And for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ.